0: chapter 26 of the women who make our novels this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by michelle eaton the women who make our novels by grant overton chapter 26 amelia e bar on march the 17th 1918 The author of this book had the pleasure, as editor of Books and the Book World of The Sun, New York, of printing what is certainly the best account extant of Amelia E. Barr within a reasonable length. Although the article was unsigned, it was the work of Mr. A. L. Wood Corning, who had been a neighbour of Mrs. Barr at Richmond Hill, Long Island, New York. It was based upon a personal visit and interview. This chapter is really nothing more than a reprint of Mr. Corning's article, with one or two slight changes to include the six months which have elapsed since its appearance and prior to the appearance of this book to mr corning then the credit of this chapter amelia e Barr struck the popular taste more than thirty years ago with her bow of orange ribbon she is one of the most prolific of present-day writers of fiction her latest novel the paper cap published in the fall of nineteen eighteen brings the number of her books up to over seventy and this does not include hundreds of short stories a poem a week for fourteen years written for bonner's ledger or the numerous newspaper articles essays and verses of the first fourteen years of her literary life on march twenty ninth nineteen eighteen mrs Barr entered her eighty eighth year in the preceding twelve months she had published three books and shortly before her eighty seventh birthday or the birthday which made her eighty-seven years old she completed a fourth in manuscript this was the paper cap the scenes of which are laid in yorkshire england where the novelist spent a part of her childhood mrs barr thinks it one of the best stories she has written the paper cap of the title is that of the working-man and the story centres around his fight for the suffrage it was really a contest between the hand-loom and the power-loom it was about four in the afternoon when mr corning reached mrs Barr's study on the visit which preceded the preparation of his article mrs Barr had been writing since seven that morning with only a brief intermission for luncheon and was not feeling she declared so well as usual this is one of mamma's blue mondays said her daughter but after she had begun to discuss current events some incidents of her early life in texas and above all the war mrs Barr became animated she is an interesting and enthusiastic talker with positive views a power of unusually apt expression and a mind keenly alert convinced of a fact she utters it with passionate force on this particular afternoon the manuscript of the paper cap was lying on her writing-table it will be done to-morrow she said with the spirit of one who looks upon the completion of a work which has required much thought and painstaking labour She pushed the manuscript towards Mr. Corning. It was as free of corrections and interpolations as if it had been freshly copied from a former draft. Mrs. Barr seldom changes what she first writes, and always uses sheets of yellow paper, finding this tint more restful to her eyes than white. When weary of building stories, she hands the manuscript over to a stenographer to be typewritten. Mrs. Barr writes with a lead pencil going to a drawer, she brought out a box full of old pencil stubs some of which dated back to the days when she was writing the bow of orange ribbon a few years ago six or seven of these stubs were given to as many friends she had them tipped with gold and made into shawl pins in personal appearance and dress mrs Barr is typically english she has a large face and marvellous physique is rapid of movement and lithe of step a flowing gown of some delicate shade is usually worn loosely over a lace petticoat and a beribboned cap of lace and rosebuds or sometimes cowslips rest becomingly on her silvery hair but the most striking characteristic of this remarkable woman is the retention of so much youthful vigour and optimism which she attributes to her english ancestry born at ulverton lancashire england march twenty ninth eighteen thirty one amelia Barr is descended from a long line of saxon forebears of whom the men for generations had been either seamen or preachers of the gospel her father the rev dr william henry huddleston was a scholar and a preacher of eloquence the child's early education was largely under his supervision as he was a regular contributor to english reviews the little daughter was brought up in a literary environment before she was six, she is said to have known intimately the tales of the arabian nights and nothing pleased her more in those days than to be the recipient of a new book a pleasure seldom afforded her she would often accompany her father on his preaching itineraries through the fishing villages and thus became a lover of the sea from which she doubtless formed impressions which have disclosed themselves in her fiction at eighteen she was sent to a freekirk seminary in glasgow where she remained until her marriage to robert barr in july eighteen fifty for three years the young couple lived in scotland here mrs barr made the acquaintance of henry ward beecher who years later was able to help her begin her career as a writer failure in business compelled the Barrs to come to america they first came to new york where the future novelist saw for the first time to her great delight ready-made dresses and oranges a fruit not easily procurable in the north of england or scotland the bars with their two little daughters soon went west locating in chicago after a time misfortune drove them south they went first to austin later to galveston texas the history of these eventful and sorrowful years is told in mrs bar's autobiography the red leaves of a human heart in austin success was sandwiched in with failure disappointments and heartaches in those early days on the frontier there was a great scarcity of many things which went to make up home life when mrs barr came to america she had been told that she was going into a desolate and savage country in which there were none of the comforts of life and where none could be obtained so she brought with her a great assortment of useful articles such as needles tape sewing-cotton linen silks etc finding that they had more than they wanted of such things the bars traded some of them for tea and other staple articles of food. Despite vicissitudes, Mrs. Barne never neglected her reading or the daily instruction of her children. The noon hour was reserved for study, and at that time no one was permitted to disturb her. She could be seen daily sitting with a young baby on her lap by the open door of her log-house, partaking of the noonday meal and reading at the same time. In all, Mrs. Barr had fifteen children. Three daughters are now living, one the wife of Kirk Munroe, the popular writer for boys. In spite of her large family, Mrs. Barr found time to accomplish things outside household duties. During the Civil War, for example, articles of amusement were few. One was put to great inconvenience in securing games, so Mrs. Barr, an enthusiastic whist player, painted a pack of cards which were to those who remember them a most real counterpart of an original set at the close of the war the bars moved to galveston and there in eighteen sixty seven mrs Barr experienced the overwhelming sorrow of her life yellow fever entered her home the whole family was stricken and before mrs Barr herself had fully recovered she suffered the loss of her husband and three little ones after endeavouring to support herself and three daughters in the south she came with them to new york in the fall of eighteen sixty nine one day she was asked if she could write stories and replied that she had often written them for the amusement of her children but had destroyed them after they had served their purpose she promised to try again and received thirty dollars for the effort what thirty dollars for that article she exclaimed why i can write three or four of them a week she eventually found work on the christian union of which beecher was editor and this opened a career which has brought her a reputation and honour. At first she rented a few rooms at 27 Amity Street, Brooklyn, a house once occupied by Edgar Allan Poe, although at the time she was unconscious of the fact. When she moved into these quarters, she says that after paying the rent, she had only five dollars in her purse. Well, girls, she told her daughters, we will have a good beef steak dinner, and let tomorrow take care of itself. Even then, She felt, as she afterwards said, that God and Amelia Barr were a multitude. For fourteen years Mrs. Barr toiled, meeting with successes and rebuffs. It was a hard struggle. After working all day in the Aster Library, she would often at night take her daughters to the theatre, leaving sometimes in her purse, only enough money for car fare in the morning. Returning from one of these outings, she discovered that her house had been broken into, rushing at once to the family bible she found forty dollars between the pages where she had placed it for safety not having in those days enough money to bank she would often put bills behind pictures and they were never disturbed in eighteen eighty four jan vedder's wife was published the success of the book almost immediately placed mrs Barr in the front rank of popular american novelists from that time her record has been phenomenal over fifty-three when her first book appeared mrs Barr has produced an average of over two novels a year and she does not possess one unsold manuscript she has written only one article she has said which she was never able to dispose of and so little does she care for her books after they have been written that to-day she has not a complete set of them in her library which numbers several thousand volumes she not infrequently takes up one of her old novels and after reading it says that it seems like a new story all my characters she once remarked are real to me they begin to live and have a personality of their own i have started to write a villain and afterward fallen in love with him and made him my hero mrs barr's books are invariably sold outright years ago she made a thorough study of the early history of manhattan island which ultimately formed a foundation on which she built eight historical novels which stand out as among the best of her work chronologically considered they should be read as follows. The House on Cherry Street, The Strawberry Handkerchief, The Bow of Orange Ribbon, A Maid of Old New York, A Song of a Single Note, The Maid of Maiden Lane, Trinity Bells, The Bell of Bowling Green. So much, Mr. Corning, the author of this book, can add nothing to so extraordinary a story, as fiction, Mrs. Barr's own life and performance, would be called incredible. Her stories are first-rate stories. All of them offer clean, imaginative and very real entertainment. Many of them offer a true and valuable picture of vanished or vanishing times, manners and people. Her achievement is much bigger and more solid and worthwhile than many, many efforts at literary art. May she live to be a hundred and to have written a hundred books. Books by Amelia E. Barr Jan Vedder's wife A Border Shepherdess Feet of Clay benicia remember the alamo she loved a sailor the lone house a sister of esau prisoners of conscience the tione whelp the black shilling the bow of orange ribbon a maid of old new york a song of a single note the maid of maiden lane trinity bells the bell of bowling green the red leaves of a human heart the strawberry handkerchief 1908. The Hands of Compulsion, 1909, The House on Cherry Street, 1909, An Orkney Maid, 1918, The Paper Cap, 1918, about fifty other books. Mrs. Barr's novels are published by D. Appleton and Company, New York. Some may be had in reprint, others are out of print. End of chapter 26